Welcome back to a new edition of the Piano Rhapsody podcast. This is a podcast where you follow me, a self-described amateur piano player, on a path to playing concert-level piano pieces. Pieces like Gershwin's Rhapsody in Blue, where the title of this podcast originates. Each week, we take a look at one of the pieces that will get me to that goal, exploring the bones of the piece and the history surrounding the era, with the end goal that we will all walk away appreciating the piano and music in general just a little bit more. This is episode 3.4, a continuation of our trip through musical history. Welcome to the 20th century. We made it. We reached the year 1900. It's been a long trip. We've traveled from the Baroque period to the classical to romantic, but now we have reached the era of modern music. And since this is probably the most interesting time span of music to us, and the music is incredibly diverse, we're going to split this period up into three weeks, each week focusing on a different movement of modern music that could essentially exist as an era all on its own. The first of these movements that we're going to highlight is one that should be slightly familiar, as we've talked about it on several previous episodes, and that is the Impressionist movement. The birth of Impressionism can be traced back to the late 1800s and was centered in France. The Impressionist style started with art, led by popular French painters of the time. The big three were Claude Monet, Edouard Monet, and Edgar Degas. Along with Impressionism, this episode could also be titled The One Where Andy Butchers a Bunch of French Names. The general idea behind their painting style was that they dismissed the rules of previous artistic form and instead developed new textures and techniques that focused on natural subjects seen in everyday life, with a new emphasis on light and color. Impressionist composers borrowed this mindset and adapted it to their own music. The major influencers of Impressionist music were our old friends that we discussed during the last unit, Claude Debussy and Maurice Ravel. Even though they would both heartily reject the title of Impressionist, Debussy would probably call me an imbecile. Following the trend that happened during the Romantic period, the Impressionists went one step further in breaking away from the rigid structures of the Baroque and Classical periods. They were even more liberal with their usages of rhythm, preferring flowing rhythms evocative of water, sunlight, and moonlight imagery. This falls right in line with one of the major themes of Impressionism that we spoke about in previous episodes, a focus on nature. They also one-upped their earlier romantic peers by exploring different tones and scale systems. Impressionist music not only makes use of major and minor keys, but explores whole tone, pentatonic, and other modal scales. This also leads to interesting harmonic choices that introduce new sounds, like chordal harmony, which are chords built on the idea of fourths, as opposed to the more traditional chord structures like thirds and fifths. In addition to nature, this era also had a peculiar curiosity with mythological subjects, one of the more famous examples is a work by Debussy called Prelude to the Afternoon of a Fawn. 
And no, that's not like baby deer fawn. It's F-A-U-N, referring to those mischievous, mythological, half-human, half-goat creatures. Think like Danny DeVito in the Disney version of Hercules. Or Mr. Tumnus in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Or those little fawns in Fantasia, who play with the Pegasuses. Pegasuses? Pegasi? They both sound equally wrong to me. The Impressionist composers did not only use music to create imagery, but used literal words as well, with the concept known as extramusicality. They named their pieces with descriptive titles and included evocative descriptions within them. If we jump back to the prelude episode of Debussy, where we talked about De Pas sur la Neige, you might remember that Debussy included descriptive instructions, like, the rhythm should have the sonorous value of a sad and frozen landscape, and a tender and sad regret. These kinds of instructions are much more colorful than the typical one-word adverbs that were more commonplace before this movement. Speaking of Debussy, which would be impossible not to while discussing impressionistic piano music, we're going to experience our first composer repeat in this podcast this week and look at another small piece from Debussy. Which I know is early, but it's fine, because looking ahead at all the other composers and topics I want to talk about, I don't think we're going to squeeze in more Debussy on this podcast during this year. So I'm happy to repeat him while I can, because Debussy is on my short list of favorites. So today we're going to take a look at a piece called Page d'Album, which translates simply to Album Leaf. An album leaf was a short, usually one-paged piano piece that would fit neatly into an album or an autograph book which is fitting because this piece actually has a very noble origin. Debussy composed this work in 1915, right after World War I broke out in Debussy's homeland of France. As more of his compatriots came back wounded, and as France's landscape continued to be ruined by warfare, Debussy's circle of friends became increasingly politically motivated. The artistic sector of French society experienced a collective sense of cultural trauma during this time. And one way to deal with the trauma of witnessing horrible things all around you on a daily basis is to create something beautiful. W.C. wrote this piece to assist a charity organization called Vitament du Bless. <sighs> That's probably not even close. Meaning clothing for the wounded that provided relief for victims of World War I. Autographed copies of this piece were sold at auction during a fundraiser, so people could easily frame and display this sheet music as it fits neatly onto a single page. Afterwards, Debussy ended up dedicating this piece to his wife, Emma, for her birthday, which suggests it has a theme of love behind it. Because of Debussy's contributions like these in raising money for the war efforts, he became known as a composer for the people, elevating his popularity and status for years to come. Unfortunately, 
Debussy did not survive to see the end of the war. But his legacy still lives on, even to this day. So while this may be a late-era Debussy composition, this is usually one of the first ones that piano students will encounter. True to its album-leaf title, the piece is short, sweet, and undemanding. It's a great entry point to the Impressionist soundscape, representing many of the elements that I listed previously. First of all, the piece is written with a key signature of one flat, which I would argue is written in F major, because it happens to be the chord that the piece ends on. Not a 100% surefire rule, but I think it's a strong argument. But having said that, the rest of the piece doesn't really lend too much support to my claim. As this is a typical Impressionist piece, there are chord progressions and harmonies that borrow heavily from tones outside of the F major scale. Within the first two measures alone, Debussy includes an E-flat, D-flat, and C-sharp, all three outside of the F major scale. The rest of the piece follows this pattern as well, making it difficult to pin this piece down to a specific key. One of Debussy's signatures is flowing, dreamy, repetitive passages that sound almost trance-inducing. This is a very short piece, so they aren't quite as extended or pronounced here, but there are several areas where you can get a sense of his style that can be found in many of Debussy's other works. So while the piece may not be groundbreaking, and echoes a lot of Debussy's prior work, it is a solid entry point into his style and was written for a noble cause. I also find that the historical context lends the piece an unsaid complexity. It's a beautiful little flicker of candlelight, written during an extremely dark time in history. So here's Debussy's album leaf in its entirety. Well, we are moving right along. Let's keep that train going and, well, actually, now that we're in the modern age, 
we can take a plane now. And next week, we're going to check out a true crowd pleaser. Jazz. If you'd like to reach me, find me on Twitter at Piano Rhapsody, or email me at pianorhapsodypodcast at gmail.com. You can find the standalone recording of this piece discussed in the episode right in the podcast feed. But if you're looking for more, check out my SoundCloud page for a playlist of all music, no talk. Thanks for checking out the podcast. Please feel free to rate, review, and subscribe. All are welcome. I'll talk to you all next week. Until then, I'll be working on my French. Au revoir. Pegasus. (laughs) Huh.